This is Behold, a VBC podcast. Our goal is to examine biblical truth that will better equip you to behold the glory of the Lord more fully in your daily life. I'm Sean Helch, and I'm joined by Dan Gillette and Nathan Baird. Without further ado, here is the Behold podcast. Okay, welcome back. If you are a longtime listener, and if it's your first time, then welcome. We are glad to have you here at the Humble Little Behold podcast. Today, this is Sean and Dan, as always, and we have the one and only Mr. Nathan Baird. Say hi, Nate. Hey, Nate. Oh, wow, come on. Very literal. Uh, that's wow. kind of a classic. Um, Nate, for those of you that don't know, Nate is our uh, discipleship development pastor here at, at Valley Bible Church. He and his family have been uh, recently uh, stationed at the Altamont campus in Livermore. Uh, he is a, a very wise man. Uh, he's got a big, beautiful brain, uh, a big, beautiful family. And uh, he's also a very talented musician. You may not know that, but a great songwriter and instrumentalist. Um, in fact, I heard recently that you guys had you guys had Cindy Whiteover for a little jam we session. We did have a jam session with Cindy. It was tell, tell us about that whole situation. Cindy wanted to come because she went to Klamath. We went together. Oh yeah, and yes. Uh, we were doing some music, and so she's like, "Let's get all together and do a jam session." So all of our my kids circled up, and we just got cranked out the shakers and the Glockenspiel and the whole deal, <laughs> nice. and just went through just kind of random songs, everything from Twinkle Twinkle Little Star to just jams in the key of C. That's so fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, yeah. Did you record any of it? He did not. Come on, dude. You the next time. It was, it, was a good, it was a good preliminary, but yeah, I think Cindy is definitely down for it again, so we'll now we know what to expect. We'll we'll up the game next yeah, time. Yeah, that's fun. And is then, this possible, possibly a new member for Homespun Royale? Is that <laughs> it what is always, it's, it's always, always the recruiting. Sean, you're not supposed to give away my secrets. <laughs> it's, they start out as jam sessions and they turn into band recruitments. Yes, yes. And then also uh, big news in, in your house, a couple of your kids are uh, have started some college yeah, Caden's, courses. Caden's yeah, graduating, so he's a freshman now in uh, at Las Positas. And Ariana, who's a senior in high school, is also going. So that's kind of a fun new transition. I got an 18-year-old man in my house now. That's wild. It's crazy. And, my, wow. and then my fourthliest child just turned 12 today. So Tig's 12, and uh, I cannot believe how time is flying. The train just keeps rolling, it doesn't just it? just rolls, yeah. That's wild. Yep. Oh, and my, my cousin just had a baby today. So Kate, um, Tig now has a as a, a cousin who shares the same birthday, which is fun. That's awesome. Fine. Uh, on the topic of uh, growing children, man, Wendy just started rolling over in her sleep, Aww. <laughs> which is pretty terrible, actually, because <laughs> you're not supposed to swallow them after they're like rolling over at that point. And so now it's like, man, getting her to sleep without that is quite the process. So pray for us, y'all. Pray for her. Man, I, I didn't have all these rules when I was raising my kids. You just swaddle. <laughs> my kids still get swaddled. Uh, I still swaddle them. Parker is so embarrassed. Yeah, no, he loves it. <laughs> no, that's that's good. Well, you got, you're got you more informed than I was. That's, that's for sure. I mean, your kids survived, so. By the grace of God. But it's <laughs> probably true. Anyways, <laughs> all I have to say, hey, Speaking of surviving, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff coming up for a lot of us. And a lot of us are coming out of a really busy season or hectic season or chaotic, whatever you want to call it. You know, COVID has been a trip for a lot of us. And now we're looking at things coming up and 
here at VBC, we got a huge week coming up. You know, a lot of big events. You got Church at the Fairgrounds, got that Men's Reveille and Extol, and that is Labor Day weekend. So just just a lot of things. And like Dan mentioned, a lot of you uh, are either yourself starting school right around now or a couple weeks ago, or maybe your children are, or your nephews are, or whatnot. A lot of us are gearing back for a new season at work. So just a lot of stuff going on, you know. And so we thought it would be a good time to just take a second and today discuss how do we, in the midst of stuff like that, you know, some of them really trivial things and some of them really significant life events, you know, how do we kind of do a reset? You know, how do we pause for a second and reset our hearts and minds? And, you know, now's a good time, you know, as, as you're starting school, as you're starting new work season, as things are changing with COVID or whatever, it's a good time if, if you haven't recently just to stop for a minute and do some prayer and evaluation and see where your heart's at, you know? And so hopefully uh, listening to this podcast and then doing the things within the podcast will be of aid to you in doing that process of just really having renewal before the Lord. So that said, what we thought we'd do today is the three of us, you know, we've all been thinking about this to some degree lately. So we all have kind of chunks of scripture verses that are closer to our hearts regarding this issue of renewal and hope and all those kinds of things. So we're each going to share and just kind of chew the cut a little bit together as you you all listen. Sounds like a wild time. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited to hear what you guys what you guys found, what treasures you found in the Word. I'm already at rest just thinking about it. Ah, wow, everybody, just take a deep breath. Let's oxygenate our brains. Mm. Beautiful. Let's dive in. Who wants to go first? Nate, you want to start us off? Yeah, sure. Um, so I was thinking about passages that talk about this idea of rest or renewal. And of course, Matthew 11, uh, 25 through 30 popped in my brain. Um, the part that most people know probably is, you know, come to me, all you who, are, who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you a rest. You rest. Mm. Hey, that's that's. Uh, he says, "Take my yoke on you. My burden is light. You'll find rest for your souls." And so that's that's um, the the kind of punchline. Mm. <laughs> oh wow! I'd like to have that kind of yeah. I'll take. Who rest. wouldn't sign yeah. up for that? Yeah. You know, it's in the context of of the the Pharisee movement, which had come out of coming back from captivity in Babylon. And basically, the Jews never wanted to go into captivity ever again. And so this group arose at the time called the Pharisees. And they're the ones who are kind of behind the synagogue movement, um, having little, you know, teaching um, buildings that were not the temple that people would come to and study and make sure that they were sticking to the law because they wanted to ensure they never went back into captivity and also to get the Messiah to come. They believed that when all of Israel was holy and sanctified by a strict adherence to the law, then Messiah the Messiah would come, would come right? And mm-hmm. so this is the whole, the whole environment that Jesus comes into, and the Pharisees themselves epitomize that sense of kind of piling on laws and... Uh, like, like rules to help you... To help you- Keep the rules. Yeah, rules to help you keep the rules, right? <laughs> Great idea. There's the line. Let's not cross it. Let's have these five lines to keep us from crossing that right, one. Right. And so, you know, Jesus would say things like, you know, you after traveling the ocean to get one convert, you make them more fit for hell than you are yourself. Mm. Right? Like that. This, just, wow. this is Jesus's attitude toward this um, approach um, to the law, um, that it was something that uh, was p- constantly being piled on the people that they really felt they couldn't do and... And uh, so, man, talk about 
living a, a restless life, yeah. you know, without without rest. And so then he comes and he, he says this, but he starts off this passage this way. He says, at that time, this is verse 25 of chapter 11 of Matthew, at that time, Jesus declared, so he's going to pray, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Mm-hmm. He says, yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And then he says, come to me. Mm-hmm. But here's this picture. Jesus says, in me, I have, I have a restful, continual love relationship with the Father. I personally know him, and he personally knows me. And so if you want to know the Father, it's not going to be through adherence to these, these laws that, that are being piled on you. It's by coming to me for rest. And guess what? I will give it to you. You know, that, that passage, he says, no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone the Son chooses. This has nothing to do with predestination. It has to do with the person who comes to Jesus is the one to whom the, fa- the, the Son will reveal the Father. Mm. It's that trusting mm. in a person for relationship. And he says, if you do that, you come to me like a child, yeah. not like someone who's building up knowledge on yeah. top of their head, but if you come to me as a child, meaning trusting and wanting to know, just like little kids run up to you and hug your legs, you know? Yeah, yeah. That, that sort of coming to me, he's like, I'm going to give you rest because you'll personally be in a relationship with me and the Father, the one who made you for himself, you know, and, and that uh, made me jump to, to Romans 5 where, where Paul's writing about this God. What is this Father like? What's his basic attitude? Is it piling burdens on us, giving us more work to do, shaming us for our failures? Nope. Mm. He says that in Romans 5, 8, while we were still sinners, God showed his love by sending Christ to die for us. Wow. So that this gift of, of sacrificial loving of the one the Father is in face-to-face communion with. That uh, John 1, 1 says that uh, the, the word is with face-to-face communion with the Father. That one that the Father loved, he sent as a proof that we can have a restful heart when we come to him and receive that gift of, mm. of family and love yeah. through Jesus. Well, it's so good and part of me thinks is this is this is like our human nature we we love to try to control the situation and i think that's maybe what's behind what was behind the pharisee movement was well here's here's some things we can do to make sure that x y and z never happens again you know here's some things that we can kind of we can kind of control we can be self sufficient we can we can be the masters of our own destiny and what, what do you see, Nate, like, or Sean chime in, like, what do you see, how are, how are we, how is history repeating itself mm-hmm. in our modern times, in, in, the, in the, maybe even in our church through conversations you see or just attitudes that, that, you know, are present? How are we maybe making those same mistakes that the Pharisees mm-hmm. made in our pursuit of this, this, this actual rest that, that, you know, what Jesus is offering? Yeah, you know, Paul talks about um, contrast living by the Spirit with living by the flesh. Mm. And, you know, I grew up thinking living by the flesh meant sin. Mm. But living by the flesh is is contrasted with living by the Spirit. Living, and yeah. which way are you going to do it? Are you going to live it this way or are you going to live it this way? Right. And so the flesh is basically uh, my effort makes me pleasing to God. Mm. 
and versus I am pleasing to God because I'm in the Son and I walk in cooperation with yeah. the Spirit of God so that I'm being transformed into the likeness of Jesus by, by walking the way Jesus did through the encouragement and teaching of the Holy Spirit and with resting in the love, the permanent love of God who loves his Son and now I'm clothed in the righteousness of Christ, wow. Romans 6. So I think the, the reason, that, which you, what you brought up, the thing that a lot of Christians and myself um, struggle with or, or, or wrestle with is even though we know it's by grace we've been saved through faith, yeah. we, we instinctively believe that I will be more pleasing to God by the things I do. Wow. And so if that's what you believe at your core, even, no matter what you say, because what you say is not what's, what you believe. Yeah. The way you act shows what you actually believe. Yeah, come on. That's a word you right know? there. So when we're, we're overwhelmed yeah. with anxiety, oh, if I, I, didn't, I didn't do that. I didn't read my Bible today. I didn't, right? we, you can substitute anything for that becomes an effort. It's a way of saying, God, see me, see me. I'm valuable. I'm love, valuable. Love, love me. Love me. Love yeah, me. Have, put yeah. value on me. And God says, I'm that, and that's already, by the flesh. That's, that's by the flesh. When, and, and in that passage you referenced in, in Romans 8, he says, if you set your mind on the flesh, if you live according to the flesh, that's death. Yeah. That existence is, is going to produce death. But he says, on the other end of it, if you live by the spirit, if you set your mind on the things of the spirit, it's life and peace. Mm. Amen. And that, yeah, I mean that—that's what a contrast, right? Well, and yeah. also, and you, you, you also—if you have that attitude, one reason it re- results in death, like as a parent, I'll just say, as a, as a parent, yeah. I start to evaluate my children based on their performance to me. Wow! And then I get angry at them. I so some, the death of relationship comes out of my expectations that stems from my own feeling. Your workspace, I'm workspace yeah. toward God. Wow! And so. You know, it's not just. We, we, again, we we think of like sexual immorality or or you know other other types of big sins when right. we talk about the flesh. But really, it's it, anything that leads to death stems from a sense of disconnection from God on my own effort. I'm going to live this way, and God's saying, "I've already, I've already drawn you to myself. Yeah. Why why are you working so hard?" Oh, that's good. Yeah, John, you yeah. going to say something? Well, I, just, I, I think on top of that too. Like, I appreciate that a lot, and I think what you described, Nate, is like level two of misconceptions about worth. You know, mm-hmm. I think for a lot of Christians, that's what they feel is, oh, God's view of me is dependent on what I do, that kind of thing. But I think level one, even before that is, before you even get there is, I don't even care what God thinks of me. You know, my my feeling of my own self-worth is based on what I do and how people see me and those kinds of things. Wow. And, you know, you look at the Pharisees and one thing that is a, a constant throughout all these things is Satan. You know, Satan will never change his tactics. You know, he wants us to think that we don't need God, that we can be our own gods. He doesn't want us to think that we need to submit to anything, you know? And so much of what we're talking about right now with the way that we respond to things that don't go our way or discouragements or frustrations, a lot of them stem from, I'm not getting what I want right now, you know? And we don't like that. We want to be the boss because that's our sinful worldly nature. And so I think when I think about that part of it, of before you even get to the conversation of what does God think of me, but just my, like you said, living in the flesh, worldliness versus godliness makes me think of James 4, you know, about being a friend to the world. And it describes passions being at war within you, you know, and that's what I think of is just, man, like you, before you even get that far, like you got to figure your stuff out. Your passions are at war. You care more about the clothes you're wearing and what people think about you on Instagram than your relationship with your heavenly father, 
you know, your passions are at war. And what does it say? That that because of that, by being a friend of the world, you are at enmity with God. Like mm-hmm. you said, Dan, it leads to death in your life. Mm-hmm. But then I appreciate later in, in James 4, right after that section, there's, there's a little hint here. It says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So it's a nice little nugget right there of, hey, Satan wants this for you. He wants to distract you and put you in his grasp and and make you think you're your own God. What do we do? Huge hint right there. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Which is so counter to this whole mentality of I'm God. I'm my own, Mm. you know, lean on myself. But just, I think we're going to talk about that later when I share a little bit later. But that, that heart of submission, I think, is huge. And what does it say? That as you do that, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. Boom. Yeah. Drop that mic. Well, and it's so and it's so good because that is the that is what's behind our human condition is is pride. We we think that we our way's better. It's like, yeah, God, I know you've you've made this provision for me, you know, to 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 be par- welcomed into your family and to experience right relationship with you, to be reconciled to you through Christ. But I, I think it'll work better if I just if I just kind of make myself into this like goody two shoes Christian, you know, and control my whole situation and like I'll just be a do good box checker. That's better. I'll do that instead. That's a very prideful position. To, to, and and when you set yourself up with that kind of a heart, you're setting yourself up in opposition to God. God hates that. He's like. I, I will come after you. I, I you you're making yourself like you know opposed to me, the 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 person who is living in that prideful state. And so when we submit ourselves, like you said, Sean, and when we uh, just come to grips with reality, I always think of humility as just being in touch with reality, <laughs> right? If we're if if we have a humble heart before God, we have an accurate view of the universe. <laughs> yeah. And so when we when we align ourselves with that and we just place ourselves under God's mighty hand, what does he do? He gives us grace and he says, I'll give you more grace if you humble yourself. And so, man, I think that's such, that's almost like the antidote to this kind of um, works-based Pharisee movement of like, I'm going to make myself righteous before God. The antidote to that is just saying, "I'm, I'm so incapable of doing that. And so I'm just going to humble myself and just receive the grace of God. Yeah, well, and, and we talk about like submit or humble um, in our in our context uh, or in like America. <laughs> right, right. Those are almost like swear words or something, yeah, right? Like yeah, yeah. submit. That that's like I'm being dominated by a great someone, a bully or something like that. Yeah. But but you know the story, this whole story of the Bible, is about a God who is generous and loving and can sit, you know, is delights in his creation and wants to, you know, created us to know him and walk with him and partner with him. And that's how things were before Genesis 3. (laughs) And that's how things are now after the cross. And so when we're submitting to, again, it's who are you submitting to? And humility before God is recognizing who who he is, what, Mm -hmm. what his true character is. And he's revealed himself in this way as someone who wants to refresh us, what does, is not trying to ruin our lives. It's, it's like, hey, I'm gonna, I'm leading you to yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and I love, I love this passage and this topic that you've brought up, Nate, because it's all very trinitarian. And I know that's, <laughs> you know, that's that's kind of your uh, <laughs> your your wheelhouse. You know, you're, yeah. you're you're banging that drum, and I think it's really good because you, you mentioned 
everything before the fall. Well, even before Genesis one, uh, in eternity past, what is the Trinity doing? There's, there's a spirit of love and submission and fellowship. And that's what God wants to invite us into. I mean, even if you look at Jesus's earthly ministry, I mean, how many times does he say, I'm submitting to the will of the father. Mm. And he doesn't say that begrudgingly. He doesn't say that, um, as a, it's not a shot to his godness. Uh, it's just, it's just how the relationship works. And so, yeah, we've been invited into that in Christ. Well, I'm going to give a plug before Nate can. I'm going to beep into it. Hey, a great book, <laughs> Delighting in the Trinity. He loves that book. Oh, I've uh, heard that book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, I just, I want to point out, um, you know, you just said a word, Dan, that I think is central to this entire discussion and that's relationship. Mm. You know, what you're going to hear, what you just heard from Nate and, and what we see modeled in the Trinity and we see modeled in Jesus. And then everything else we're going to talk about today is this is the difference between what God tells us about how to cope with hard things and what the world has to offer. You know, you go to a self-help class, you go to a life coach, you get your essential oils, whatever it's going to be, that's going to help you. <laughs> Again, not bagging you for essential oils. They're great. But the difference is the difference is that what God offers is relationship. That's the difference. We're not saying this, you know, Christianity is not a list of do's and don'ts, and this will help you if you do this. You know, Christianity is, hey, lean on Jesus Christ and his father in heaven, have relationship with him, and here's what he's going to do in your life through transformation. So I just love yeah, bringing attention to that relationship. Again, delighting in the Trinity if you want to hear more about the relationship of the Trinity. That's awesome. Th- thanks, Nate. Thanks for um, bringing that up. That was that was really helpful. Um, uh, yep, Sean. No, I was gonna say I'll go next because I think it, I think yeah. it, it's fitting because dovetails. Dovetails coming out of what you just said. You know, I like that. Yeah, humility is being in touch with reality, kind of thing. Um, I think that that pairs really well with the conversation about anxiety. You know, I think anxiety oftentimes comes from us not being in touch with reality. You know, we're, we're fearful about things that aren't in God's plan for reality. He's not what he yeah. tells us. And yet we get fixated on them. And so that kind of just makes me think about, you know, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, about don't be anxious. You know, and he kind of gives an outline of why that is the case and what to look at. You know, look at the birds, look at the lilies in the field, you know, and he says, which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to your life, you know? And it just kind of, it's a, it's a refreshing thought of just, we get so hung up in this kind of mode of like, worry about work, worry about school, worry about COVID, you know, worry about paying my bills, all this stuff. (laughs) And it's just like, man, how all that energy we're spending, you know, all that emotional capacity, that's not going to add a single hour to your life. You know, your days are numbered and you, know, you have time that God has given you. And so it's just folly. It's just fickle. You know, yeah. anxiety is fickle. And yet some of you are probably listening to this and, and you deal with anxiety and you're like, Sean, that's not helpful because <laughs> I deal with <laughs> don't anxiety. Don't just tell me, don't just tell me to stop being anxious, right? It's yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> And, and, you know, if you read that, that Matthew six passage, you know, it says that, well, why can you not be anxious? Because God is, has all under control, you know, don't be anxious and settling on God. But I think that another verse that comes to my mind, which I talked about recently on the podcast is in Philippians four, you know, this is Paul writing to the, to the church in Philippi and he has a little bit of a, of a shout out back to the Sermon in the Mount, you know, back to that, that teaching about not being anxious and, in verses six and seven, he says, do not be anxious about anything. 
but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And, you know, I, just, I love passages like this that, that to me feel more like black and white, feel like less in deep interpretation is needed to understand what it's saying. And of course, there is a lot here. There's a lot of richness and a lot of depth here, a lot of context. But I, it's, a, it's kind of a three-pronged three three trident section of scripture. You know, one of them is do not be anxious about anything. And then the third one is, hey, the peace of God, which surpasses all of your understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. That's one in three. And what's the bridge in between that? What do we do to make those two things connect? In everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And that's the part that I really want to focus on right now is just, man, as we're thinking about some of these things, these circumstances, these these things coming up maybe that we're thinking about, are we doing that? You know, I think one of the things that we were talking about before the podcast is just this idea that you know, as Christians, we, we sh- burden should not be a familiar thing. You know, that's not, that shouldn't be something that is central to our lives. And one of the things that Nate brought up was, well, it's important to ask ourselves why, you know, why am I burdened about X, Y, or Z, you know? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we pointed out to ourselves was, well, actually, you know, there, there are times where burden is necessary. You know, there are certain things that if we, if we claim to love Jesus and love what he loves, absolutely. Certain things should trouble us. We yeah. should mourn over certain things, but what are those things? And I'm trying to think of all the examples that I can think of, and pretty much all of them, they're relational things. You know, they, they revolve around people. They revolve yeah. around people in the kingdom of God. What they don't revolve around is circumstances, is hardships. You know, they're Jesus, Paul, you know, they, they make it very clear. Suffering is going to happen, but because we walk with Jesus, we can meet those things with joy, Right. So with that in mind, as we're thinking about this Philippians passage, I think it's so central to this chunk, that little thing where it says, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, with thanksgiving. And I think it heralds you know, the same theme as in James 4 about submission, submitting yourself to God. Same thing about humility, you know, is just if we have a heart of thanksgiving in all things, you know, it doesn't say in the happy times, bring things before God with thanksgiving. It says in all things, absolutely, supplication, ask these things of God, come to him, but do it with thanksgiving. And there's just something about that shift of attitude that completely transforms how we experience circumstances. You know, I think this is why we can sit in the middle of a crazy storm of things happening around us and be completely unfazed emotionally and mentally because we have a heart that, like you said, Dan, understands reality. Mm. You know, if we have thankfulness to God in the hard times, that means that we understand that he is king. He is sovereign. He does have provision over all these things. And if we really believe that's true, how can we not be calm, you know, about what's going on? Are we aware of things? Of course, you know. Are we Are we naive to things? Hopefully not. Yeah. But that's different than just having a, a peace that surpasses understanding. And so as we think about moving ahead, you know, I think this is so important is, man, if we really are doing this in all things, turning to God with thanksgiving, then we can trust him. When he says he's going to gonna guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus with a peace that surpasses understanding, man, give me some of that. And then trust that that's going to totally transform what this storm looks like for all these different things that we're looking at. Yeah. 
think that's so good. And, and maybe we can talk because I'd love for people just to hear almost testimonially, like how that plays out in our lives, because I think sometimes it's a difficult, uh, it's difficult to make that jump when we are feeling burdened or we're feeling sorry for ourselves or we're, we're focusing on maybe the things we didn't get or, or the, what's negative about our life, the, the circumstances that we don't like. Those things are so overwhelming and they're so just in front of our face. And so it's, we know that being uh, grateful and expressing that gr- gratitude to God through prayer, we know that's going to help us, but it's so hard to, to get around what's right in front of our face. So how do you guys do that? I mean, what, what are some, what are some th- ways that you can, yeah. Pick me, pick me. Yeah, hit me. <laughs> yeah, I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this passage that, Sean, that you brought up has, from the, in the last year, um, partially through a course I went through called um, Head to Heart by Dave Ekman, mm. um, has become central to how I pray. And, wow. and here's, here's how it works. Anxiety... I think what Paul's doing is he's he's uh, giving a tr- a training cycle. You know, like when you're uh, those of you who work out. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, you know, you 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 go through like a certain number of reps and you do this, but the whole the whole goal of that is to build certain skills or certain yeah. types of muscles, right? So there's there's a, a our our inherent muscle with anxiety is to cycle through our brain like a little it's hamster spinning, on a wheel, yeah. just spinning that. Yeah, yeah. And so Paul is saying that is not how we're supposed to live in relationship to God. He says, whenever, you, whenever you're feeling anxious, that about anything, that is the reminder to you. It's a helpful reminder. I'm yeah. feeling anxious. I need to have a conversation with my father. Mm-hmm. So in that context, the, the God is not, just, is not just a general God. This is the father that you're supposed to go through in prayer because he mentions that we'll be guarded in Christ Jesus. Oh. So which person are we talking to? We're talking to the father. Yeah. We're loved by the father. We're accepted by the father in Christ. We are, you know, he's lavished his his affection and delight on us in, mm. in the sun, and so, so my anxiety about anything is 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 my clue. I need to go talk to dad. Yeah. So I go. So that's my trigger. So the trigger. Yeah. So exactly. now anxiety is 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 not a a thing I dwell in. Now it's a helpful warning sign on the my check dashboard. Check engine light. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So okay, that's I'm feeling anxious. I go talk to dad, yeah. and I talk it out with dad. Knowing this is where the Thanksgiving part comes in, because the Thanksgiving, I I, I think of Thanksgiving as the completion of the love cycle. Ooh, so when nice. when I love yeah. somebody and I give them a gift, the appropriate response is not "Here's some money," right? Then, I don't, then, I don't, then it's I don't, not a gift anymore. I don't want I don't want the money. <laughs> yeah. but I I spontaneously out of love wanted to give. Hey, have some ice cream, whatever. The res- the proper response is delight and thanksgiving to the person because you're loved. The ice cream is not the most important thing. Yeah. The giver of the ice cream is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if I teach my kids say thank you, they can learn they can learn to do a behavior. Yeah. But but when they get something that they're excited about, their eyes pop up. It just happens. Start, anyway. Yeah. This yeah, is so great. They yeah, yeah. jump into the arms of Papa and give him a big hug. Thanks, Papa. Yeah. Right. Um, Papa's my dad, by the way. Nice, nice. <laughs> or granny that's my mom so um so it's it's the it's the proper response it honors the gift of love but it points it back to the person that's who's giving cool. things so when i when i'm grateful to god when I'm, i have a heart of thanksgiving in the midst of my anxiety what i'm doing is i'm remembering 
the character and quality of this father. He mm. is the loving father. He's the one who does provide for my daily needs. Every, you know, back to James 1, every good and perfect gift comes from above. So he's the, he's the giver of good <laughs> gifts, yeah. right? And so, so every, this, is, this is the type of person I'm dealing with, and he wants to talk it out with me. Yeah. And as I share, he's, the Spirit is bringing truth from Scripture. My circumstances might not change. Right. I still might have that mortgage payment. I still might uh, have that job that I might be losing, or my kid might be in the hospital or something. But the peace of God is, hey, I see you, I'm with you, I love you, I've sent my son to, to answer all the deepest pain and need in right. your life. You'll never be alone again. Yeah. I'm walking with you through this. Yeah. That's how the peace of God guards our hearts and minds, because then the next thing I do is not a panic motivated, it's motivated out of a sense of, of rest, of, of acceptance, of love, and of trust in the God who's walking through this with me, through the Savior who's walked already mm-hmm. through the valley of the shadow of death on my yeah. behalf. So that's how it works. It's not a magical snap your fingers and your situation is improved. It's that you are drawn back into relational love with someone who has secured your future and is walking through you in the present because he has taken away the the death and sin of the past. Yeah, I, I love that. One of the struggles that we've had this summer, it's just... Uh, we 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 want to teach our kids these things, and and my my wife Emily has just been so amazing this summer. She uh, has done she's just gone above and beyond to make the summer really fun and memorable and like special for my kids. And <laughs> we realized this last couple of weeks of summer, I just think they were getting to the point like I feel like we kind of spoiled them this summer. You know, like we made it too good for them, <laughs> and they were getting to the point where it was like, you know, they instead of completing that love cycle of like, oh, wow, thank you for the ice cream. Like, they're like, man, I, I'm, I didn't get ice cream and cupcakes. <laughs> you know, like they, they were they were focusing on what they weren't getting or, you know, she would take them to the water park and it's like they're having the time of their lives. And then there's one slide that they can't go on because they're not tall enough. And that's the one thing that they focus on. And so bringing it back to the relational side of it is so important because if it becomes about the circumstances, the gift or the lack thereof, the gift that we perceive, if that's our focus, then we're going to get to this point where it's never enough. We're always going to be looking for the next gift, the next gift, as opposed to trusting the father and just saying, hey, whether he gives or he takes, he's good. Mm. And whatever comes down the path, whatever circumstances I find myself in, I can always find something to, for which to be grateful, you know? And that is also, like you said, a muscle. It's a discipline that we can develop. And so if you're someone that is finding it hard to identify what, th- what things you can focus on for gratitude, man, maybe just stop. It's time to stop maybe and just reflect and, and write some stuff down and just go over your sacred history with, with the father and like, what, what has, how has he provided for you? What, what, what has he protected you from? You know, what are the blessings that you have in your life? I think if we if we have that perspective shift, we're never going to run out of things, right? Yeah, yeah and I think yeah. even like even more pointed is just what, like we said earlier, what is burdening you? You know, what's mm-hmm. on your heart? And I almost anything I can possibly think of, if there is something burdening you, there is a truth or promise that God has given us that counters that, you know? If it's based on a lie, you know, if it, if it's an un, unnecessary, unjust burden, you know, yeah. Satan-driven burden, yeah. world-driven burden, there is a promise there for that. So I would even say as you're doing this process, 
not even just, I mean, of course, yes, thank the Lord for those general gratitudes, but even more specifically in whatever you're praying about, whatever you're having anxiety about, find those truths that are in that moment for that particular thing and pray those gratitudes. This reminds me of like when I'm having, you know, a, a hard time with Patty as a husband and I'm not showing humility. When I pray, I don't just pray, Lord, help me with this thing right now, with this this struggle we're having. And I'm also so thankful that you exist, God. I'm like, no, thank you for my wife. Thank you that I get to be her husband and serve her and love her. And and, and th- in that process, he corrects my my view regarding this this lie, you know, this misconception. So I think it's important to pray pointedly. And then also the two things I just want to point out really quickly is, you know, I love, Nate, how you just pointed a lot of attention towards peace. And this is what peace looks like, you know. Because we have this trust, this is what peace looks like. And two things in that, you know, peace isn't just for us, right? Yeah, we get peace, but then what does that mean? That completely transforms what we can then do in those situations. Now, have you guys ever, you know, marriage is a good example. Have you ever said something to your spouse when you're like anxious or frustrated that maybe isn't how you meant to say it, you know, or towards <laughs> your kids or whatever? Of course, yes. right? <laughs> and if you're out there listening and you deal with anxiety a lot and you get in that cycle a lot, then you can attest to this is when you're in that mode, you're not thinking clearly. You know, the things you say and do are not of a clean and sober mind. And so if we have that peace, man, it completely transforms how we can then be a salt and a light in these various situations. You know, if something hard happens to us and all we can think about is our fears and anxieties, then it's going to be much harder for us to then use that situation for God's glory versus if you are in that place of peace and something hard happens, man, you can so much more easily speak in a way that points to the fact that you do have this savior who can give you this peace and this trust and has transformed you in, in all of these things. Do you guys agree mm. with that? Oh, dude, that's that's a word, baby. That's good. Yeah. The, the other thing I just want to say really quickly is just, I think consider the source with commands like this. First of all, it's the Bible. So the source is God. So you mean... That's a that's a mic drop right there. Can't be. But then, but then this is Paul. You know, this is Paul writing to Philippi, who like they know him. You know, this is the first church he founded in Europe. He was imprisoned. You know, like they they know Paul, and they know what he's been through. And he says right before this passage, "Rejoice in the Lord always." Again, I will say, rejoice. And this is a man who's been through incredible hardship, you know, incredible trials and struggles. He's most likely writing this letter from prison again, you know, imprisoned in Rome. And yet he can still say, rejoice always, not just in the the good times, but rejoice always. I think it's, it's a, I think sometimes when we're talking about comparing like problems, you know, we're not here to compare problems. However, like a Paul, I'm like, okay, if he can do it, I can do it. Come on yeah, now. Yeah. Well, and it's so cool because he goes on to say, I've learned the secret of being content. I know what it is to have a lot. I know what it is to have hardly nothing at all. But I, I through the strength of God that he provides, I can do all things. I can, I can have this sense of peace and contentment no matter what my circumstances are. And so if you're finding it hard to, to, to walk with that kind of mindset, just ask God for strength. And, and that's the secret. That's the secret to being content. I mean, I love, I love that. Like it's one of the only places I know where, the, where, where Paul's like, Hey guys, I, I, I got the, I got the secret right here. The secret this sauce. Is, yeah. This is how you do it. So re- really cool. Cool stuff. Thanks, Sean. Hey Sean, can I t- just take that marriage uh, analogy or, or illustration you used? If you're in struggle with somebody and you, you're talking and you're just telling them, uh, you know, what you're anxious about just over and over and over and over again without recognizing who they are, 
it doesn't help. So a lot of, I think maybe in the past I've, I've gone with the anxious heart to God, maybe to pray and I'm like, nothing's happening. Nothing. Mm. Cause I'm, I'm sharing all this, but the, it is, the, it is the idea of being, of thankfulness is who am I talking to? Mm. And, and so like in, like in your example, you know, if, when I remember what my life, wife's like and what her character is and on and on and on that, that relational reality is at the heart of what happens next, the who, who I'm dealing with. And then I, you know, I, I can be at rest and maybe the antidote, uh, to, you know, more busyness is it's, it's constantly the Bible pushes us to relationship. Come to me, Jesus says. Mm. Um, Paul says, hey, go to the Father with your anxious heart. Yeah. And, and that, that sense of, again, it's a per, there's a person at the heart of what we're doing. It's a, the fa- a father, a dynamic son, and a, and a faithful Holy Spirit. Yeah. Wow. Well, that sets up really nice for... Actually, wait, I'm going to tell you a quick before you. I'm sorry. I just, I'm sorry to Clean that this. up, though. Clean that up so, no, so that no, I don't... No, no cleanup needed. You're fine, buddy. Uh, okay. Stop it. Anyways, I just want to say really quickly on the topic of anxiety. I love that one of you, I forget which one of you said that it's like a warning light. It's a check engine light. Yeah. If you are that person out there and you're dealing with anxiety and you're having that check engine light come on... You have to understand something is wrong, you know, with your view towards God and your relationship with God. So don't just try to muscle through and turn off the light and keep driving, right? You have to stop and pause and and do this process. And on the flip side of that, if you're someone who's dealing with someone who has anxiety or you're trying to give them advice, don't just tell them, hey, just don't be anxious. You know, just try harder to not be anxious. Turn off that, turn off the warning light. No, something is relationally like on a deep way off. So point towards that instead. Yeah, and if you, I, I one one thing I've been working on the last year or so is a dictionary of emotions, and so I I, I have the formula: blank is the emotion of blank. So anxiety is the emotion of uncertainty. So whenever we're anxious, it's because there's something we're uncertain about. And so seeing that warning light, oh, I'm feeling anxious, tells me I need to talk to the Father about something I'm uncertain about. What is it in my life that I'm uncertain about? And then we recognize, oh, yeah, this is the guy that knows everything. In fact, we know from Romans that even when I don't know what to pray for, the Holy Spirit can intercedes with groans that, that words can express. So even my ability to totally fathom my source of anxiety is not as important as the type of person that I'm going to. And that warning light then becomes a friend. Instead of – it used to be anxiety was something that, that just grabbed my heart and just took me for a yeah, ride. Yeah. And now it's like, oh, God has given me that emotional sense of anxiety to trigger uh, a conversation with him. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's really good. That's really good. All right. Well, I'll jump into to my uh, passage that is about refreshment and spiritual renewal and, and peace. And I think it dovetails really well with what, what's been shared already. And I'll just take us to Jeremiah chapter two. And Jeremiah is a prophet, an Old Testament prophet. And he he comes onto the scene in a time when the nation of Israel uh, is going through a, a rebellious time that the, the generation had failed to, to pass on uh, the word of God and, and they failed to commend God's works to the next generation. And so Israel was was in this time where they had forsaken the Lord. And so Jeremiah is brought onto the scene to be God's mouthpiece, to to call them back, to bring them back in. And um, if you look at chapter two, man, there's this, there's this uh, 
you, you really hear the heart of a father whose, whose uh, children have, have turned away and been rebellious. And, and you see that they've, they've gone after these false idols, these, these gods that aren't even gods at all. And um, in verse 13, uh, God speaks through Jeremiah and he, and he says this, he says, my people have committed two evils or two, or two sins. So number one, they have forsaken me. They, they've turned away from their, their first love. And, and then he, he identifies himself there. He says, I'm actually the fountain of living water. Okay. So they've turned away from me. They've forsaken me. This, this uh, ever flowing, eternal, refreshing fountain of living water. And then number two, they've, they've hewed out or built cisterns for themselves. Uh, and, and if you don't know what a cistern is, basically it's just a, it's a, it's a place to store water. But the thing about a cistern is it's not as good as a fountain uh, because it, it's stale. It's stagnant. It, the water just sits there. It's not refreshed constantly like the way a fountain or a river is. And then on top of that, he says at the end of the verse, he says, these cisterns, they're actually broken. He says, these cisterns, they don't hold any water. So not only are they stale and stagnant, but they don't even work. And it's this really, um, I don't know. It's like, it, it, it's really damning <laughs> when you, when you think about it. And, and it's really foolish when you think about it, because not only are they, have they turned away from the, the, the person that is actually going to satisfy what their soul thirsts for, but, but they've created these, these, these idols essentially. Um, and, and the idols are, there's a futility in the idols that they'll never deliver what they promise to deliver. And, um, and so I kind of wanted to just talk about this idea of, of a first, our first love and, and coming back to our first love. And so I want to fast forward all the way to revelation. And if you read the first the first um, chunk of Revelation, it's all these letters um, from 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 Jesus to to these various churches in in, in, in these various uh, areas, and in chapter two, um, we see the the letter to to, to the church in Ephesus, and um, basically there's there's all these ways that that these these various churches have have kind of strayed. They've swerved from from uh, a good solid basis. And in verse four, in chapter two, it says this, it says, I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. You've, you've, you've forgotten your first love. And he says, look how far you've fallen. Turn back to me and do the works that you did at first. And if you don't repent, I will remove your lampstand from the place that it holds among the churches. And there's three things that I want to point out. And I, I think if, if you're in this place where you, you've kind of lost this loving, this abiding, loving connection with Jesus, I think that is probably the number one reason why we might be feeling stale and stagnant. That might be the number one reason why we need a refreshment is because we're not abiding in the love that, that it was intended. We've, we've kind of, we, we've turned to lesser loves. And I love what, what Jesus says here in, in verse five, he says, it's kind of this threefold process. He says, look how far you've fallen. So 
like, hey, wake up and confess and align yourself with this reality that you have forgotten your first love. And there's this massive gap between how you started out in, in this abiding, loving relationship with me and where you are now. And then number two, he says, turn back to me. So that's this, this remembering of, uh, and it's a repenting of saying like, okay, I realize where I am and now I'm going to, now I'm going to turn around because the, the amazing thing about, um, Jesus's commitment to us is that he, he doesn't ever change his standing. He's, he is constantly, like you said, Nate, inviting us to come. He's standing in a position of acceptance and love, and he wants us near. He says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. And so if we're, if we've, if we've kind of fallen away from that, it's not because of anything he's done. It's, it's because we're, we're off in some way. And so that's where the turning back comes to. And then he says, finally, he says, do the works that you did at first. And, and this is something I, I would just challenge each of us to do is like, man, think back to a time in your life with Jesus where you felt the love of the father. Think back to a time when you felt um, that intimacy with Jesus you know, think back to a time when you felt the freedom of the, of the spirit of God moving in your life and the power and the strength that he provides. What were you doing during that time? <laughs> you know, what, what was happening in your life? What kind of habits of your heart were you engaging in? Um, remember those works and return to those works and, and walk in obedience. You know, I, was, I, was, um, I got a text message from a dear friend of mine uh, who, uh, has just recently, I, th- I think COVID has, has made this really, really tough for a lot of people. But even before that, there's, there's just an isolation that they're experiencing. They're not connected to, um, a, a, a fellowship, a, a family of believers. And they, they were just having a conversation as a husband and wife and just saying, man, we have fallen so far from the Lord. And it's just happened gradually, little bit by bit, day after day. And, you know, I, I, I was, um, so I offered to pray with them and I, and I offered to, to sit down with them and, 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 and just talk and counsel them through what's going on. But, but this is a couple that I've been encouraging for years and just saying, Hey, you guys got to get connected with a family of believers, you know? And, and so that's one example of, of being connected to a church fellowship, like where there's actual, like, intimacy and connection and and you're actually known and you're actually involved. That is a habit of your heart. And just like, uh, you know, solitude or, or Bible study or prayer or fasting, you know, there's these habits that we can engage in these, these works that we did at first that are going to help strengthen this abiding love that Jesus wants us to experience. And so if you're not feeling that, if you're, if you're, if you're like, you know, feeling stale and stagnant and you got these leaky, broken cisterns that aren't satisfying your soul. Go back to a time in your life. Remember a time in your life when you did feel that connection and that intimacy with God and, and return to those works that you were doing. Um, and then uh, in Revelation 3, in the next, in the next uh, chapter, I think it's another, another picture of, of this, this kind of um, intimacy that Jesus wants to experience with us. He says uh, in, in verse 20, he says, behold, 
I stand at the door and knock. This is Jesus talking to the church in Laodicea, whose, whose uh, love has gone cold. He says, you're, you're not hot. You're not cold. You're just this lukewarm kind of blah. You, you know, you're, you're just meh about me. It's got to stop. I'm going to spit you out. I'm standing at the door, Jesus says. I'm knocking. All you have to do is open up that door and let me in. I want to dine with you. I want to sup with you. I want to hang out with you. I want to experience connection and intimacy with you. And all we have to do is, is open that door. And I just love, I love um, in Revelation chapter 22, the spirit and the bride says, come. Let him who hears come. Let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. And this is a beautiful invitation that we see all throughout scripture that God, he echoes throughout the centuries. He's inviting each new generation to participate in this relationship with God. And it's here for us now. I, I think so many times we, 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 we think like we, we've gotten cold or stale or dry and we just don't know what the way back is. And we feel like it, it's this, these hoops we got to jump through or, or we got to, you know, God's mad at us. And so we got we to let him cool down and, and we got to kind of work our way back slowly. It's not like that. Look at, look at that picture in chapter three of Revelation. He's standing right at the door. <laughs> All you got to do is open that door and, and boom, you're back into that relationship and connection and fellowship. And so I hope that's refreshing to hear. And, and just remember like, those, those things that we try to do, those, those cisterns that we hew out for ourselves, they're never going to satisfy us like the fountain of living water can. So you're telling me that the secret to refreshment is relationship. <laughs> Possible. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The, the, I'd say that the answer to every negative emotion is relationship. Mm. And uh, we're talking about anxiety today and, and uh, you know, how to have a heart at rest. But that's, that's really what it's we're, – we're inviting. When you look at the, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians uh, chapter 5, um, that list that he gives as opposed to the works of the flesh, the, the list he gives of the fruit, that just the natural growing out of what happens when you're living in the, this life of God mm. is the life of God, the emotional life of God. Okay. Peace, patience, joy were not intended – to, to not be at rest. Or when I look at Jesus, man, his, his ministry, he's never hurried. He's mm. never, he's never uh, bitter or resentful or irritated. His schedule's not working <laughs> out right. He has time to stop for people, but he doesn't get it distracted from his mission. And uh, that's, man, wouldn't it be great if, if the world saw a people at rest Dude. And, and they would want to know, what's the reason for the hope you have? <laughs> Come on. Wow. That's good. Um, you know, one thing I just want to point out, uh, I think I think most of us listening can do that thing that Dan just mentioned of, man, remember back to what that, that love you have with Jesus is like, you know, that, that sweetness of salvation and just the joy of being free, you know. But maybe you're listening and you're brand new to Christianity. Or maybe you don't even call yourself a Christian. Well, then you probably can't say, oh, I can remember that time I had with Jesus. But the beautiful thing is, you can look at the, the work that Jesus did, the relationships he had, 
the, the things that were proven on the cross to know what his relationship already is intended for with you. Mm. You know, Jesus's love for us was demonstrated and proven on the cross. Cause even you, if you don't call yourself a Christian, man, you're a sinner like the rest of us. And even yet Christ died for you to do life with you, to be able to spend eternity with you. So that relationship, that joy, that sweetness of that first love, that's there for the taking. Just like Dan said, the water's right there. You just got to yeah. drink from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got to go to it. Yeah. That's, that's so cool. I'm so glad you brought that up because we never have to wonder how God feels about us. We, he, he is, he is through creation and just the, the, the common grace that's available to all of, of God's, you know, creations. Uh, and then through, through the cross, man, we see this, this, uh, just beautiful picture of God's love for us. So yeah. Pre-approved. Mm. <laughs> you're you're pre-approved. Pre- yeah, that's good. You know, like, we're I, I we're wonder, not, we're not Calvinists. If, no, yeah. I'm just like, am I? Am I? Uh, do, do you think I'll be able to get this credit card if I send this in? Yeah, I'm pre-approved. Yeah, exactly. I never have to wonder, right? Right. And, and this this God, he he is so intent while we're still sinners, Christ died for us so that we can mm. have absolute confidence and uh, relax. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Well. Yeah, a lot, a lot of cud to chew here. A lot of truth and hopefully some practical stuff to to catch you on. But if one thing, if you have one takeaway from today, we hope that it's you. You understand that the solution to all of these things, like that Nate said, the answer to every negative thing that we experience, as far as the emotions and evil thoughts and everything, it's relationship. You know, it's relationship with the Father, relationship with His Son and the Holy Spirit. And then more tangibly right now, in relationship with other believers as we do life together. Mm. And with that, maybe we'll end with just that Matthew 11 verse of, of what Jesus says, you know, in 28, he says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And man, those words are just so sweet. And I want that. You know, I want that right now. I'm like, yes, Jesus. Mm. But I just want to point out really quick in that that man, Jesus promises, hey, come, come with me and take on my yoke upon yourself. And just another contrast to the world right now. The world says, hey, let me give you this thing and it'll make you feel better. You know, it'll it'll boost your self-esteem. It'll promise you money and wealth and fame or whatever it is, approval. Jesus offers us equipment. He offers us tools to do life. He says, hey, come with me and I'll bear this yoke with you and we can do life together. Mm. And just what a beautiful picture. Yeah, that's good. Come on, come on. All right, y'all. Hey, we hope that this has been a refreshing, hey, hey, podcast for y'all. We hope that you can use some of these tools we talked about to just provide some of that rest and renewal in your own life and the lives around you. And don't forget, we have a big week coming up. So we'll see you at Church of the Fairgrounds on Sunday. Tell your wives, tell your neighbors. We'll see you at the Men's Reveille on, uh, oh, I forgot, the, the Sun Tea and Treats. If you're a lady, Sun Tea and Treats Ooh. on Saturday. Church of the Fairgrounds on Sunday. Men's something Reveille for the on ladies, Wednesday. Something for the fellas. Extol like. on Thursday for all. All are welcome. And yeah, we're just looking forward to a fun uh, week and season together. So love y'all. Love you Praying for y'all. See you next week. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes of Behold. If you would like more information about Valley Bible Church, or if you'd like resources from this episode, 
go ahead and check out vbc.online forward slash behold. Catch you guys next week.